aside from helping parents save their sanity, but you know, right. what does the research say? What does the data say about, you know, brain development and children and how much sleep that they need and the effects of not sleeping versus the effects of sleeping? Why do we need our kids to sleep? Where would you take your life if you knew you could not fail? I get it. As a stepmom, mom, and entrepreneur, sometimes it can feel like what everyone else expects of you versus what you dream about for yourself are on opposite ends of the spectrum. As a woman, you're taught from a very young age what society thinks you're worth based on how you look, how you behave, and how much money you're allowed to bring in. But I'm here to show you that you can be the woman who has it all and not just on the outside. I'm Brittany Lynch, and you are the queen of your castle. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Queen of Your Castle podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Lynch, with a super duper duper. I'm so excited about this guest, y'all. Today on the show, we have Dana Obelman, and Dana Obelman is here to save us all, save us at bedtime. Uh, Dana is the founder of the highly acclaimed Sleep Sense program. So I'm going to let the expert talk to us all about how that program came to be and all the ways that she's, I think I read that she's helped over a hundred thousand parents help their kids sleep better. And I know in our stepmom story group, this is a topic of conversation all of the time is how do we get our kids to sleep better? And I guess specifically within the dynamics of, of step family relationships. So Dana, I see that you began your practice here, uh, your sleep private practice in Vancouver in 2003. And it looks like this came from your own struggles with your own kiddos sleep. Um, drawing on your dual degrees in psychology and education to create the sleep sense program, which now you've helped over a hundred thousand parents help their kids sleep, which God bless you. God bless your soul. What a, what a need. Thanks for coming on the show. I can't wait to hear about your program. I can't wait to hear how you came up with everything. And most of all, I can't wait for you to help me get my three-year-old to go to damn sleep at night. So thanks for being here, Dana. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Awesome. So why don't you go back in time with me a little tiny bit so I don't feel so alone. So we don't feel so alone now that you're the sleep queen. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of let me know, you know, what were the struggles that you were having with your own kids back before you mm-hmm. created this program that led you to create the program that now is helping families all over the world? Yeah, well, I I had my first son uh, back in 2002 and um, really knew nothing as most parents about his sleep needs. Uh, you know, I just figured babies will sleep when they're tired and that'll be that. And I also had this vision that it would get better, right? Like everyone knows a newborn baby is going to be up a lot in the night. And I was totally prepared for that. But when months were going by and his sleep was getting no better than it had been from the day he was born, you know, I started to sort of take this downward spiral, you know, into some depression and anxiety and, and chronic sleep deprivation. And I kind of feel like I had my rock bottom moment, um, which most of my clients have, and sometimes have multiple rock bottoms before they reach out. Um, but yeah, I just had this, like at the six month mark, it was kind of my breaking point. And I thought, 
you know, maybe I just don't have what it takes. Like maybe I, I just like am missing the mom gene that lets me like put up with this. I can't, cause I can't, I can't do this one more night. Um, and in, and in that moment, I kind of made a little promise uh, to myself that I would, I would see if there was something I could do. Like maybe, maybe there is, I, I, I knew nothing. So why don't I go and investigate and see if I can figure something out? And so, you know, I, there were some books, uh, you know, about sleep on the bookshelf at the time. And I, I read the books and I did some searching online and I, I kind of pulled out pieces that made sense to me, um, given what I know about kiddos and um, put a plan in place for, for my son, Charlie, and um, just saw this huge transformation for all of us within a week or two, we went from being you know, what I would have classified as a fussy high needs baby into this like super chill, relaxed little dude who was like happy when he was awake and was going down well for naps and, and night. And, you know, I was so excited about what, what, what I'd managed to do um, and how much it changed all of our lives that I was like hell bent on telling everyone I could find <laughs> accosting strangers in the playground um, <laughs> to like share this great news. And, and I looked around and saw that there was not really anybody really helping parents one-to-one. Like you could get a few tidbits of advice here or there, but there was nobody that was really sitting down and explaining, you know, the whys of, of, of sleep and why this baby's not sleeping well and what are the steps we need to take and put in place for him to transform into a good sleeper. And can you teach babies to sleep and all that good news. And, and that really was the, the spark that was ignited from my own success and passion for helping others that led me to, to start coaching parents privately. Amazing. And I just, I just like, think that it's so important to have that one-to-one support in that moment because uh, there's there's so much literature out there on on how to get your kids to sleep but when you're a sleep deprived exhausted new mom or you're a mom of multiples and you're com- totally sleep deprived you are bordering on depression and anxiety like PPD and PPA because you're so sleep deprived, the last thing you want to do and the last thing you probably have actually the capacity to do is sift through all of this literature and be like, mm-hmm. okay, what specifically is the issue here? That, that requires a lot of cognitive function that you probably aren't going to have when you're sleep deprived. So what a relief for parents to have a resource like you and all of the coaches that you, that you have trained to be like, okay, Jesus, take the wheel. Like we need some help around here. We can't do it. Amazing. Mm -hmm. It sounds like sleep issues potentially begin like right from day one. Am I hearing that correctly when, when I make that assumption? Yeah. You know, people always ask me, well, how soon can you start teaching a baby to sleep well? And I think you can start right from the day one, right from day one. I mean, it's going to look a little different what we're doing with a newborn, obviously, than if we're trying to kind of fix a baby, you know, 10, 12 months down the road, that's when they've got bad habits and we need to course correct. But when they're new, they they don't have any bad habits yet. So we can just guide them down the right road. I had two babies after I started Sleep Sense and they both were sleeping 10 hours by 10 weeks without a ton of effort from me, right? Like I just had to, to lay the foundation and give them opportunities to develop good skills and, and, and keep an eye on their, the, the wake windows and make sure that they're 
not getting overtired throughout the day. And it, it just kind of all fell into place quite beautifully when I knew what I was doing. And, and so a big piece of what we like to teach is just that education component. I mean, the same way you would go to a prenatal class, you learn all kinds of things there, but nobody's talking about sleep. And, you know, people always tell me if I just knew, if I knew then what I know now, you know, I would have made a lot of different decisions in those first few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I want to kind of, I'm going to go, I'm going to selfishly go off course here a little bit because I was, you know, I, because of kind of sleep issues that I noticed in my family with, you know, my husband and my stepson and really not great sleep habits. I know that, that they parents always do the best that they can. And they think that leaving the TV on is a good thing because at least they're quiet and they're in their bedroom, right? Like a lot of really not awesome things from my observation. So before I had my own son, I was really intense about making sure sleep was a super duper priority. And so I read all of the books and my son started sleeping through the night when he was like three months old. He was like great napper, great sleeper. And then he turned three and it all fell apart. <laughs> and I'm, I'm asking, you know, what happens after that stage? Is it developmental because they realize they're people and I have a say now whether or not I'm going to go to bed? Is this like a common age that pe- that parents tend to get hung up um, or or what's what's up? What's happening? We're tired yeah. around here. <laughs> Well, I'd love to. Yeah. Like, so first of all, in general, yes. Um, even babies who are great sleepers somewhere in the toddler years, things often fall off the tracks. Things, things, you know, fall completely apart and parents wonder, oh gosh, how did we even get here? It just like happened like this. And now, you know, he's up until midnight sleeping in our bed all night and doing all kinds of, uh, random things. So it does happen. It's very, very common. Um, but let's, let's talk more specifically about what's going on with your little guy. Is he in a a bed, a toddler bed or a crib still, or yeah, he's in a bed. He started crawling out of his crib when he was like 18 months. So he had to try, he was a first a mattress on the floor. Now he's in, now he's in a bed. Okay. So what, where is the issue showing up? Is it at bedtime or through the night? It's early wakings, like 5 AM and earlier specifically is like the big issue that we have. Bedtimes are touch and go. We've had the same bedtime routine since he was an it like a newborn. He's got, had the same bath book routine for his whole life. Um, his room is like pitch black. Like it's it's you know I've, I'm still following all the rules, but yeah, it's like him not wanting us to leave when when lights out is is happening after bedtime's over, and then waking up very very ungodly early in the morning. He still sleeps all night. Thankfully, it's just the morning wakings and the bedtime resistance that are draining on us. Mm -hmm. So uh, is he getting his way? Are you guys staying in there until he falls asleep? No. Okay. So what, what are you doing there? Just kind of leaving and checking on him or just like every time he gets up, like read, go back to bed, redirect you. I'm taking back to bed sort of thing. Like, unless he needs to go to the bathroom or whatever, but yeah. Or unless okay, so he's like super upset, like, please, like seems like scared or like dysregulated, then we'll go lay with him for a few minutes, but he's almost never fallen asleep with one of us beside him. Okay. That's great. Cause that, that's a common problem. I would say to, to people listening, 
Um, it's a very common problem with this age group that somebody's laying down with them in order for sleep to come. Um, and that in and of itself is not a problem, but it's the dependency that then becomes the problem. The child believes that I can't sleep unless, right, you're laying beside me, which unless you're planning on laying there all night is going to cause a problem down the road when he has a wake up and you're not there. And now he has to come find you and bring you back. And this can go on, you know, two to five times a night. So, you know, that, that would be my step number one for those parents would be, we got to get, we got to get you out of this room. We got to teach this child that they have the the ability and the, the confidence and, and the independence to fall asleep on their own. So is he still napping? Yeah. He still naps. It's time to pull the nap. Oh, but that's like such a nightmare because he's up so early. It's like, I'm I know, I know. With this. like he's up so early. He's like falling apart by lunchtime and like we can barely make it to four or five, but I, yeah. I thought that that might be it. <laughs> it is it. It is it. And what tends to happen is exactly the scenario. They'll often take the nap happily and sometimes sleep two or three hours in the middle of the day. But then the problem starts at bedtime with exactly what he's doing. Lots of like game playing and coming out and calling for you and doing all this stuff. And then that drags it on. And now he's having these early morning wake-ups. It really, it really is time to pull it. So what you could do just to kind of bridge the gap is, is, you know, you could start by just really minimizing it, like giving him maybe a 30 minute nap um, in the afternoon and, and see that could be okay. Uh, it could fix the, fix the issues within a few days. Um, if it doesn't, then I would say we're just going to have to go cold turkey, pull it. Um, and little tricks you can use to get through that time is doing a little bit of quiet time in the afternoon, like, um, some sort of like quiet, independent play, like playing with tracks or coloring or building with blocks or some little breather from, 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 so you both kind of go to your separate areas and he does some independent play that can help, um, and, and know that it takes about four weeks. It takes about four weeks for the body clock to adjust to the fact that there's no daytime sleep anymore. So it, it is touch and go. And there's going to be some days where you're pulling your hair out at five, but you could move his bedtime earlier in the interim. So he could be, he could be down like six thirty seven o'clock, um, to until his body adjusts. Okay. All right. Cause with, we got a new baby coming. So I can only have one bad sleeper in the house at a time. At a time, that's yeah. all I'm prepared to do. So, <laughs> totally. And one other tip for the early morning wakers out there, especially with this age group, um, get some sort of indicator that it's okay to get up, like an okay to wake up clock of, of some kind. There's tons on the market now, um, and just really start hammering that home that your your feet don't hit the floor until that clock says it's okay for you to get up, and you just have to keep returning him to his room until the clock says it's okay to get up. Right. Just and it works great. It. It's it, it's one of my magic, my magic three, I call it, but yeah, the clock works great. Okay. We've tried it, but I haven't, I've been too tired in the morning to be consistent with it. I'm like, okay, fine. Just lay with me and let me go to sleep. So yeah, no, you've got to, you've got to make it okay. like, it's got to be a non-negotiable. <laughs> yeah. Got it. We can do this. Excellent. Yes. 
move on if if you don't mind let's move on to kind of like the next age group um within our group we kind of have been having a lot of conversations about what seems to be um some separation anxiety in in like preschoolers and early school age kids that we seem to be noticing quite a bit again i'm going to assume this is developmental and kind of a standard thing that you might see frequently is is separation anxiety at bedtime um if so what are kind of some tips that our listeners who have five to seven or four to seven year olds, how can they, how can they help their kids not feel so anxious at bedtime? Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that too. I, I think it has a lot to do with just what's going on in our world. Like, I think sometimes we forget that kids, you know, are listening to everything that we're saying and doing and watching. And if they see you super stressed out and anxious and having like heated discussions with family members, they're going to pick up on that, right? There's no way to hide from that, hide them from that. So I think with COVID and all kinds of all those extra stressors happening in people's lives, like kids are, kids are picking up on it. So that's one thing. Um, But I think, you know, again, creating some really solid bedtime routines and boundaries. So doing, doing some one-on-one time with your child, the lead up to bedtime, you know, whether that's uh, you know, bath time and story time, or um, if stories are too stimulating, you could try like a simple card game or something that that carving out that one on one time with a parent um, can can really help, especially if they're feeling some sort of separation anxiety, dedicating some one to one time um, with your child is so, so important. And then um, I like to do something called the come back and check strategy. So I would say to a, you know, a five-year-old who's having anxiety, I would say, you know, listen, I'm, I'm just going to go and start the dishwasher and I'll come back and check on you in a couple of minutes if you are in your bed and being quiet. So that's the only way I'm coming back is if you're cooperating. So then the parent would come back and praise the child for doing a great job. You know, I'm just going to go make a phone call. I'll come back in a few minutes. If, again, if you're quiet and in your bed. And you, so you just kind of really hammer that home um, uh, quite often in the first few nights, like come back every minute or two and praise a child for doing a great job. And then as the nights go on, you kind of start spacing out your comebacks um, a little bit longer and a little bit longer until eventually, hopefully this child is asleep before you come back. That can be a way to like um, reinforce the good behaviors, right? I'll come back and check on you if you are trying, you know, at least you're trying to go to sleep. Uh, I'll come back. I also love rewards. I mean, I think rewards can be super helpful just to get the ball rolling around something. They don't need to last forever, but just to say, you know what, you know, I see you struggling here. Let's think of some creative ways that we could, we could reward you for, you know, being brave and managing to get to sleep and staying in your bed all night and have them get, um, get in on the action and what kind of things would be uh, a reward for them if they could manage this task. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that come back and check thing too, because it's like when they've got this separation anxiety, it's like, are they leaving me? Like, where are they? What are they doing? And so as much as like the reinforcement of like, oh yeah, you're doing a great job is great. It's also kind of like that that reassurance for that really anxious part of the mind. That's like, where are they going? Like, okay, they're right. Right. right? I don't need to worry. They're right here. And then as that period extends, that trust is like built. I love that. So good. Thank you. I think that, you know, I've spent a lot of time in the wormhole of like why sleep is so important. Um, But I know that a lot of 
a lot of parents are not down with with the research and the statistics and the and the specific reasons why kids need so much sleep, how much sleep that they need, the sorts of things that disrupt sleep, the impact that that has on health, like in childhood and beyond. So, you know, everyone wants their kids to sleep a hundred hours a night for sure. But, but of course it's, it's deeper than that, right? Like sleep is so, so important. So Dana, could you, could you give us like kind of your, your big whys, your big reasons aside from helping parents save their sanity, but you know, what does the research say? What does the data say about, you know, brain development and children and how much sleep that they need and the effects of not sleeping versus the effects of sleeping? Why do we need our kids to sleep? Yeah. I I love that question because you're right. You know, sometimes parents get caught up in that. Oh, I'm, I'm the one being selfish because I want to sleep. Right. But it's more than that. It, it, it's, it, it's a, it's a gift you're giving your whole family because it's going to definitely help, help the child with um, all the big tasks that they need to accomplish in life <laughs> as we start out. But you just have to look at a newborn baby and realize how important sleep is, right? Like newborn babies spend up to, 20 hours in the 24 hour clock sleeping. Um, and so obviously the brain is, is doing a lot of hard work during those, during that time. And we know now that sleep basically plays an integral role in pretty much everything, like pretty much you name it, sleep plays some sort of role in that, but the big ones are definitely attention, focus. You know, there's tons of kids in the school system who I believe are being medicated for something that's as simple as just add more hours to the night, like get them more sleep that that could solve a lot of the symptoms here. Um, but yeah, uh, so cognitive, developmental, um, physical, you know, kids who, who don't sleep well tend to have a higher BMI. So there, there's something, there's a link there to obesity for all of us when we're not sleeping well. Um, their attention and focus and patient level, you know, everything. I mean, think about when you're not sleeping well, you're irritable, <laughs> you're unfocused, you're cranky, you're, you're impulsive, you're eating sugary junk food all day long. It, and, and then just, you know, times that by, by at least two, uh, for kiddos and, it, and they're going to be feeling those effects. It just, it's, it's, it affects everything, even our mental. I mean, there's lots of research now that's saying that, you know, uh, schizophrenia and other like uh, mental illness, um, often people who suffer from that have some sort of sleep issues as well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but you know, what role do you see phones and technology, especially with kids being given devices earlier and earlier, mm-hmm. what role do you see that playing with the quality and quantity of, of, little people and, and teen sleep too, and adult sleep, right? Everyone's sleep, I think is affected by, by devices. So what's, what's your observation that you, that you've noticed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my rule of thumb for kids and, and I carry that through to teens and adults is at least one hour and some people will need more. So that's just a starting point, but at least one hour before lights out, you start powering down devices. So no phones, no TV, no computer work. Uh, and you just carve out some time to, to power down. Like our bodies and brains need time to get our melatonin levels rising, to 
to calm down the noise that's going on in our brain. And, and I don't think we pay enough attention to that. Like what, what actually are we consuming those few minutes before we go to bed? I mean, some people are watching the most violent show you can find on television and then wondering why, you know, they're lying in bed for three hours because they can't sleep. So getting it out of your bedtime routine is so, so important. And even the light, the lighting in your house, like turn off anything that's unnecessary. Sometimes you, it's even helpful to swap out your normal light bulbs with the light bulbs that are like painted the, the yellowish tinge that yellow light is just a little bit softer and, and um, won't interfere with your melatonin as much. Um, but yeah, we really, we, we really need to give ourselves that space. And, and especially adults, most adults, the last thing they do before they turn off the light is stare at their phone. And that's like the worst thing you could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Devices. Okay. Devices. I love that. Yeah. Love that. Like replacing your bulbs with, with the yellow ones. We've been doing that in like our hallways and, and even our dining room, we've, we've swapped it out for those light ones. Cause it just feels so much less like those overhead fluorescents from, from the eighties. Yes. So much easier on the eyes. It's true. Uh, this has been like super duper helpful. So much good stuff packed in here. Would you mind, you know, if, if somebody was interested in, in working with you, if they're at the end of their rope with their kids on their sleep and, and they were interested in, in, you know, the sleep sense program or, or pairing up with one of your consultants, could you let our listeners know kind of like, what could they expect? What's a part of your program? What, what are your coaches, um, like, what does that process look like? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So if you go to sleepsense.net, you'll see a few different options. Um, we do have a do-it-yourself guide, which includes coaching videos from me. So every morning you would get a new coaching video and that you don't have to read anything. As long as you sit down and watch those five to 10 minute videos every morning, you'll know exactly what you need to do for the day ahead and the night ahead. Um, so you're, cause you're right. I think, you know, the last thing tired mamas want to do is sit down and read a big book heavy with science. So I just cut to the chase and give you the, the nitty gritty of what you need to know, uh, for the day to get your little ones sleeping well. So you could do it yourself, or you might need that, um, tender touch, you know, you might need that person to kind of guide you and support you through the process. So you could hire one of our sleep sense consultants, Uh, Most of them run about a two week package. So it would be, you know, taking an inventory of what's going on with your specific little one and really digging under the hood of what, what um, is going on in this little one's days and nights. And then they put a plan together specifically for your child. And then they walk you through the whole process. So you'd have like check-in calls and emails and communicating with each other pretty much daily to make sure that everything's going the way it should and, you know, calming your, your anxieties or questions or worries along the way. Right. Amazing. A nice bit of handholding for the exhausted mm-hmm. parent. <laughs> Who doesn't need that, right? Doesn't need that. Sounds amazing. Dana, is there anything else that you want to share with, with our listeners here today? Yeah. You know, one of the things I think um, I'd love for people to just really take to heart is that nothing needs to be grinned and bared through. You know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes as parents, we think, 
oh, this is like the, the path we chose. This is our lot in life. This is like the sacrifices we need to make for our kids. Um, and I don't believe that. I think that that there's there are solutions to just about every problem out there. And, you know, if your kids aren't sleeping well and, and you're not sleeping well, this isn't a, oh, well, you know, tough luck kind of scenario. This is a solvable problem. And, and it's for everyone's health and happiness. So, you know, don't, don't just suffer in, in silence. There is ways to make this situation better. Mm -hmm. And arguably like, I think my, I think my big fear right now with, with my son is like, I'm like, okay, well, I'll just wait this out. It's just a phase, but I don't think like, it can't be a phase. There's something that needs to change. Yeah. Because sleep habits just perpetuate, right? They're habits. Sleep habits are habits and habits are what we do over and over and over again. So I think there's also like this big misconception, me included, think of like, okay, I'll just wait it out. It's going to get better with time. And before you know it, you're exhausted and it hasn't gotten better and you don't know what to do. And yeah. No, yeah, one not, like not very many kids outgrow a, a sleep, a bad sleep habits. No, you're right. Right. So you need sleep, mama. So let's do this thing. <laughs> awesome. Dana, if our listeners uh, want to follow you on social or see what kind of good stuff you've got to offer, I know that you've got a podcast. Could you share with our listeners, you know, what's the name of your podcast? Where is the best place to find mm -hmm. you on social? That kind of stuff. Sure, sure. So the website is sleepsense.net. Um, and you can find me, I've got a podcast called The Sleep Sense Show. Um, and then I'm on Instagram uh, under Sleep Sense. Um, and on Facebook under my full name. So Dana Obelman, you can find me there on Facebook. And But yeah, you can um, send me an email, message me, let me know uh, what you need help with, and I'll do my best to point you in the right direction. Amazing. Thank you so much. We'll make sure to link all of that up in the show notes. And Dana, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to cut that nap begrudgingly. And <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's a sad day. I know, I know. <laughs> but 4am wake ups are also sad days. So I mean, we'll, we'll get through it. Hey, we'll get through it. Yeah. Thank you again so much for your time. It's been so great. Um, yeah. Thanks a lot, Dana. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. I wanted to let you know about a special online mini training that I'm offering for free for a limited time. It's called Peace, Love, Stepmom. And not to toot my own horn, but beep, beep, it's pretty freaking awesome. Peace, Love, Stepmom will give you the exact steps to take in order to create more harmony in your stepfamily without feeling like you have to walk on eggshells or bite your tongue or ignore your own needs just to keep the peace. Because if you are listening to this, then chances are pretty good that you know there's a big difference between not fighting and actually feeling peaceful. To enroll in Peace Love Stepmom and get immediate access to this incredible online course, head to peacelovestepmom.com and sign up. It's totally free. You don't want to miss it. So go to peacelovestepmom.com to enroll and get immediate access. I hope this episode got your wheels turning and showed you just how powerful you are. 
I would invite you to take 30 seconds and tap subscribe to this podcast. When you subscribe to the podcast, then rest assured you will never miss an episode. And in no time, spinning your wheels will be a thing of the past. Thank you for listening and subscribing. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world to me if after you subscribed, you jumped on over and left me a five-star review and better yet, a written review. I am on a mission to let every mom and stepmom know that you can create the life of your dreams. And I need your help to change the world. The world needs us. Thank you so much for subscribing and leaving me a five-star review. I will see you next week. For more behind-the-scenes action and to get really up close and personal with me and our beautiful step family, jump on over to Instagram and follow me at the Step Queen. Don't be shy. Send me a DM. Tag me in your posts. Tag me in your stories. Let me know what you're up to and what about the podcast has been blowing your mind. I cannot wait to get to know you better. And Instagram is my jam. I love you so much. I love you so much. Make it rain, girlfriend. <laughs>